So we're in Luke chapter 8, but before we go to Luke 8, we're going to start in Isaiah. And let's just go down the list there. Let's start in Isaiah chapter 1. The reason we're doing this is because by the time we get to Luke chapter 8, Jesus is going to make a reference. It is a cultural reference. And so unless you understand the reference, what he says won't make sense. It's kind of uh, similar to like an inside joke. You know, have you ever been a part of a group and someone says something that makes no sense at all and everybody bursts out laughing, right? And what do you do? You, well, depending on your personality, you may just laugh along. Or, you, or the point being, you don't know what they're talking about, do you? Why? Because you don't understand the context, you know? And maybe you fake laugh and you say, why is that funny? And then someone says, oh, it's an inside joke you wouldn't get it, right? Now, that's not offensive. Do you see that? They're not calling you stupid. They're not calling you unintelligent. They're saying, hey, you just don't understand the context. If you understood the context of the joke, you would find it's actually quite hilarious. And so before we get to Luke chapter 8, we have to understand the context of what Jesus is about to reference. Otherwise, we'll be sitting there looking around the room, half smiling, feeling like an idiot, because some people will be greatly affected and some people you'll just be saying, I don't think I get it. And that's because you don't get the context. So start in uh, Isaiah chapter, what do we say? Chapter 1, we'll start there. Start in verse, um, verse 10. So here's the context of Isaiah real quick. This Old Testament, Isaiah is a prophet that the Lord sent to uh, preach to. Uh, we'll look at verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. I'll just read it. It says, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Okay, so there's that. So there's the context. It's Old Testament. The Lord has a message to speak to His people. And look at this message. By the way, these, these are the people, these are the Jewish people of Jerusalem. Look at verse 10. Let's put on the walls before we put on the roof. You all get that with me? Okay. So verse 10, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Okay, so time out. Is he speaking to Sodom and Gomorrah? There's an answer. The answer is no. Why is that? Because Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed about 1,300 years later. So listen to this. He's speaking to his people and he says, hey, listen up, Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you all hear the tone, by the way? Right? Okay. And then he goes on, he, listen to what he's about to describe that is a burden. This is the Lord speaking. He says, the multitudes of your, look at that, sacrifices. What are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. What's he referring to? He's referring to the Old Testament sacrificial system that, that, that the people were doing what God told them to do. Please don't miss that. And God is saying, I've had enough of this. Keep looking. He says, when you come to appear before me, who has asked of this trampling of my courts? Great question. Who asked the, the Israelites to do this? The answer was, God, please don't miss that. God told them, hey, this is the way the sacrificial system will work. And then they did what he asked. And he says, this is appalling to me. Please don't miss what's going on here. He's very frustrated. 
He says, verse 13, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your, look at the word, what's right there? A worthless, ooh, that's good. Mine says evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul, what's the word? Hates. Guys, this is, this is God speaking. And by the way, what is he talking about? He's speaking about their worship services. Don't miss this. And let me point this out. They are doing everything correctly. Did you hear what I said? They are doing everything he asked of them. And he says, I can't stand this. Keep going. He says, they have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer. Hey, here's some deep theology very misunderstood right here. Listen. When you spread out your hands in prayer, look what God just says. I will what? I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many, offer many prayers, I will not listen. Right? So there's some terrible theology going around that says God hears all our prayers the same. Hey, listen to me. My Bible doesn't say that. And I can take you to the New Testament. Right? Is, is there a wrong way to pray? Yeah, there is. Does God hear all of our prayers? No, He doesn't. Some are so detestable that he says, I'm not even going to listen to that, right? Uh, he says, your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. He is describing their worship service using the words evil deeds. And he says, get them out of my sight. Do y'all, I mean, is it, do y'all see this? Oh my gosh. He says, stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Okay, so again, we're picking up context here. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 29. And this is probably going to sting a little bit too, but, but that's okay. I, if someone, it's better to speak the truth, even if it makes you uncomfortable, than to just comfort people with lies, okay? So if someone is just comforting you with lies, by the way, they don't love you. Just going to say it. Okay, so verse 29. Um, chapter 29 verse 9 I'm sorry chapter 29 verse 9 again uh, like I said we're going to put up the walls here and then we'll put on the roof he says be stunned and amazed bind blind yourselves and be sightless be drunk but not with wine stagger but not with beer look at verse 10 the Lord has brought over you a deep sleep he has sealed your eyes the prophets he has covered your heads the seers Now look at this, verse 11. This is Isaiah speaking. He says, for you, this whole vision. Okay, so a a picture. This is Isaiah. These are a collection of sermons that he would stand up and he'd, he'd speak to the people. And this is him saying, hey, everybody, listen, everything that I'm saying for you, what these words are gonna be is this right here. Look, he says, for you, this whole vision is nothing but words. Sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone, look at this, who can read and say to him, read this please, he will answer, I can't, it's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this please, he will answer, I don't know how to read. This is Isaiah saying, he's saying, here's the truth of God and most of you will respond with one of two ways. 
One, you're either going to say, I'm just lazy, I don't know how to open the scroll. Or two, again, this may sting, I'm claiming ignorance that I don't know how to read. Right? And he's saying, here's the truth of God, but we're sitting on our spiritual couches and we won't even open the scroll because we're saying, ah, it's sealed. Or, or we won't even read the Word of God because we say, ah, I don't know how to read. And guys, and again, man, sorry if I, I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying, hey, this is God's Word. Man, remember, we're going to have to stand before the Lord one day and give an account on what He entrusted us with. And, and you have no no excuse to say, hey, God, I didn't, I didn't know you said that. I didn't know the truth of that, right? We are inundated with God's word. And, and you have, I'm looking around, everybody in the room, everybody in this room has the mental capacity to understand God's word. And, 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 but we still will preach and speak the falsehood of, I, I, just can't, I just can't memorize scripture. I just can't understand God's word. But then at the same time, some guys, you can be like, hey, who was the third round draft pick for the Bears last year? And they'll say, oh, well, that was Joe Smith he, out of South Carolina State University. He averaged 4.4 sacks per game. You know what I mean? And it's like, do you see how, how, how frustrating we are? Y'all see this? And this is Isaiah saying, I'm so tired of y'all. <laughs> he, he says, here's God's word. And, and you guys are either, <laughs> he says, some of y'all are just lazy and some of y'all are just claiming ignorance. And, and everybody in this room has the capacity to think above a fifth grade level. And by the way, guys, some people don't. Some people can't, right? And then look, he says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up only of rules taught by men. Uh, look at verse chapter 30. Golly, this one stings. Chapter 30, verse 8. Chapter 30, 30, verse 8, it says, Go now, write it on a tablet for them. Inscribe it on a scroll. And so this is God saying, Isaiah, I want you to go carve this in stone. Like this is permanent. And he says, That for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. These are rebellious people. Deceitful children. Look at the next verse. It, I mean, the next word it says, Children, what's it say right there? What's it say? unwilling does it say unable Ooh, it says what these are children unwilling to listen to the lord's instruction if that said unable that would be a different story right but it says these people are unwilling to hear god's word they say to the seers they say to the prophets guys listen to this this is us this is describing our world verse 10 they say to the seers See no more visions. To the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Look at this. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Guys, has this changed at all? No. This is exactly what happens in our culture is, is people are uh, they're searching for deep meaning but at the same time what we do and how we abuse the bride of christ is we go around and we 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 kind of treat god's church like it's a like we're dating a bunch of girls and we go and say hey you better tell me what i want to hear you you better be entertaining i don't i don't want to hear about sin i don't want to hear about repentance i don't want to hear about just just say look at this just tell me pleasant things. Is this hitting anyone's heart? Hard, right? Okay, good. Y'all look dead. And hey, look at this. 
Verse 11, he says, leave this way, get off the path. Look at this. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Like, like the truth of God is being preached and this is what the people of, of Isaiah's day are doing. Everybody look at me. They're going like this. They're covering their ears and they're closing their eyes and say, I don't want to hear it. Stop telling me that. Right? And, and it's like there is a time where we can claim ignorance, but there also is a time where we say, I, I have decided to not listen. Y'all follow me on this? And so here's my example, and I've, I even get pushed back because of this, and that's okay, that's okay. My example is this. There was a time when I had no choice, but my taxes went to pay for abortions. Yeah, I'm going there. There was a time I had absolutely no choice in the matter. And then Roe versus Wade became overturned, and suddenly, okay, now my taxes are no longer going for it, but do you remember what happened? Company after company after company after company said, hey, we're going to start paying for, but they didn't call it abortions. They call it, we're going to start paying for travel medical benefits for women who need to go get procedures across state lines, which is a pleasant way of saying abortions. It's like saying that it's a partial truth is a pleasant way of saying it's a lie. Okay, so now for the first time, and, and this is public knowledge. This is not my opinion. You can go look them up. These huge companies, Amazon, Walmart, Target, uh, the list goes on and on and on. These big ones that I used to shop at all the time, for the first time now, I am completely 100% aware that, aware that when I support them, part of my dollar is paying to kill unborn babies. And so in my household, we no longer use Amazon Prime. And dude, that was hard. That hits my heart. You know what I mean? Like, and listen, I get it. It is somehow so much cheaper. It's so much more convenient. In our house, we don't shop at Walmart. We're done with Target. Why is that? Because I cannot say to God, I didn't have a choice, right? And, and I know for certain, and y'all can disagree with me. That's okay. I know for certain that there are many believers that are, even though they know that truth, you know what they're doing? They're going like this. And they say, don't, I don't want to hear it. Like I, and, and guys, again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Brother, you're going to stand before Jesus one day and explain how two-day shipping was more important than slaughtering unborn babies. Sorry, I'm just speaking the truth. Like, dear God, help us. And so that's why in our house, man, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, and if, if Walmart, I know Walmart's cheaper. Uh, we pay more money for our groceries now. We, I have to pay extra for shipping. I pay more money for everything. But my gosh, I cannot sit and say, stop confronting me with the Holy One of Israel. I don't want to hear it, right? Anyways, nothing's changed, guys. Nothing's changed. This is, this is us. Do you understand the, the context that Jesus, I'm sorry, we're not to Jesus yet, that Isaiah is speaking to when he's talking in, in this. Look at Isaiah 6, last thing. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1, I'll just read through this, and, I, and I'm hoping you're, you're seeing the context. Y'all starting to pick up the context of Isaiah? It's not real great. Chapter 6, verse 1, In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. So this is Isaiah getting a vision of the throne room in heaven. Above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying and they were calling to one another. Look at this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. 
So let, let me just real quick on a side note. This is for free, by the way. Guys, remember the Bible never describes love, God as love, love, love. He's never described as grace, grace, grace. He is described as holy, holy, holy. And he is a God of love and grace, but he's also a God of justice. And he's a, he's a God of righteous wrath. And you cannot have love without the capacity for wrath. You can't do it, you know. And, and I know that's strange because in our culture, I can say I love potato chips, but if you destroy my potato chips, I don't really care, right? But if I say, man, I love my children, and if you threaten my children, brother, there's going to be, you will see the wrath of Russell poured out. Why? Because that's true love. And so anyways, God is holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, this is the first time Isaiah speaks in, in, this, in this book. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a, pe among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. And God said, Look at this. Go and tell these people. Watch. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Okay, so all of that was setting up our context. Are you all still with me? I know that was a lot. Okay, here's the context. Judah's history is right here. We, we've read it, there's, and there's more. We've read just a couple little snippets of of God was speaking to his people over and over and over and over and over again they decided I don't want to hear it and so what happened was as a result their hearts were hardened Do y'all see that and, and so so it's kind of like a I don't know it, it's kind of like just a, a, a like a repeating cycle is that why were their hearts hardened because they had decided that to harden their hearts, right? Why had they decided to harden their hearts? Because their hearts were hardened. Do you all see that? And this is the context. This is a dark time in Israel's history, right? And so if someone uh, were to come along and compare anyone to Isaiah's day, is that a compliment? No. This is him, this is, that person would be saying, man, you guys are you're surrounded by truth, but you're rejecting it all. And as a result, your heart is very hardened. Okay? So let's go to Luke chapter 8. Completely unrelated, right? <laughs> On that positive note, go to Luke chapter 8. And I'm just, I'm going to let you see what Jesus is saying about uh, people at his time. So Luke chapter 8, look at verse 1. I'm sorry, look at verse 4. It says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. 
He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rocks, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And then other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out. Now listen, this is very strange. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so he is presuming that not everyone's going to understand what he said here. Now why would he say that? Real quick, um, parables, I'm going to say something here. Jesus taught in parables a lot. You remember he'd walk around and he'd be like, oh, hey, you guys see that field over there? And he'd be like, the kingdom of God is like that field. And people would be, oh, okay. And then he'd look over he'd say, and he'd see guys fishing. And he'd say, hey, man, the, you see those guys pulling in that net? And he'd say, the kingdom of God is like that net, right? Or here's the lady sweeping her house. And he'd say, hey, the kingdom of God is like a lady that's lost a coin. And, you know, and, and here, let me, I'm going to say something that's completely, uh, completely wrong right? Hey, Jesus taught in parables, so it made it real easy for everyone to understand, right? Hold on. So, and, and he taught like that so that everyone could easily grasp the truth. Doesn't that sound nice? That is complete rubbish. Jesus taught in parables so that those who had ears to hear would what? Hear. And, and that those who did not have ears to hear wouldn't hear. Parables were not designed to bring everybody together and to dumb down a message so everyone can get it. Parables were designed to divide and to say those who actually are, are listening, man, I'm going to give you so much more. And those of you that have already rejected the truth, even what you think you have will be taken from you. So keep going here. He says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him, what this parable meant, which is, which is just perfect timing. My gosh, you know, like, you know that like when Luke was writing this, he like, how funny is that to put that right next to each other? Jesus says, if you can't understand, you're not going to understand. And then immediately Luke goes, the disciples did not understand. I'm like, dude, give them some, get like, and Luke wasn't an apostle. He wasn't there. But so it's kind of just like him throwing them under the bus. Uh, Luke chapter nine, he says, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that. Look at what he's about to quote. Though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Do you know where that quote is taken from? Isaiah chapter 6. Okay. So, so listen, is this a compliment? No. Jesus is saying, he's looking at his current time and he's saying, guys, we are having an Isaiah moment in my time. Jesus is saying, God's truth is being preached and proclaimed and just as Isaiah walked this path, we're experiencing the same thing that people are, what are they doing? They're closing their ears and their eyes and they're saying, stop confronting me with the truth of God. I don't want to hear it anymore right and, and here's the thing guys if you truly are following the lord with your with your life that should be the response of some people if you fit in culturally then you're not following the lord you're following the culture and our culture is a religious culture you understand that right there should be some things that you do that people say i don't understand that or or god forbid 
maybe you do some things that people say, I actually disagree with that, right? And Jesus said that's how it's going to happen. So keep going here. Jesus has just said, hey, this is an Isaiah moment in my own day. Verse uh, 11, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Okay, so I want to point this out as well. This is a side note for free. Have you ever noticed how the Bible never convinces us that the devil's real? It, it assumes that spiritual warfare is really happening, right? And our culture is trying to assume otherwise. Like, you guys, you need to be aware. You need to be awake. Like, do not realize you are at war. This is not peacetime. We live in a lovely little town where everybody's happy and everybody is polite and everybody goes to church. I'm here to, I'm here to stand in front of you to say there are so many people who think they're saved and they're not. And they're going to hell. That's what Cole preached on last week, by the way. Russell, interesting opinion. Not my opinion. Matthew chapter uh, 7 or 6, I can't remember. Not my opinion, right? Uh, he says, verse 13, Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy, and they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who, who hear it, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those who with a, look what it says right there, noble and good what? Heart. Remember, God, uh, Jesus is saying at this time, guys, we are experiencing an Isaiah moment in my time. What was the problem in Isaiah's day? It wasn't what they were doing. It was what? Their hearts were hardened. And Jesus tells this parable and he says, hey man, those that fall in the good soil, those are the ones that with a good and noble heart who hear the word, retain it and persevere and produce a crop. And then he says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Verse 18. Is everybody paying attention? Therefore, he said all of this. Therefore, consider carefully. What's the word? How you listen. And then he says this crazy thing. He says, whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have even what he thinks thinks he has will be taken from him i love that i can see some of y'all like grimace at that even even what he thinks he has will be taken from him okay and so this is the issue is the issue is these people's hearts this is not an issue of some people are smart and some people are dumb this is not an issue of some people are educated and some people are educated. This is an issue of some people, our hearts are teachable and some of us choose willful ignorance. Have you ever heard that phrase? Like some of us, our hearts are hardened and we are choosing willful ignorance. We're putting our hands over our ears and saying, God, I don't want to hear your truth. And someone, I mean, it was months ago, someone dropped this truth bomb on me and it hit and I am still trying to recover from it. But they told me this, they said, hey, do you want to know the reason you may not hear the voice of God in your life? And I said, no, I'm good. Let's, no, I'm just kidding. 
No, I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know that. And they said, the reason you don't hear God's voice in your life is because you've already decided you're not going to do what he says. Right? Is that biblical? Absolutely. Right? And what the Lord does is when we say, stop confronting me, he says, okay. Right? And, and so we're, and what Jesus says is, man, be faithful in the little things. What, like, what do you know to be true? Then do that thing. Right? What do you know that you know that you know? Then be faithful in that. And then I will entrust you with greater things. Right? Um, man, and it comes down to people believe what we want to believe. You all know that, right? Uh, you know the, the research when people go to debates? Do you know what a bait, a, 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 like a, a, a set-up debate? You know where there's two guys on a podium and people come and watch? You know the research on that, right? That when people go to a debate, when they hear the other side, when they leave... On average, they are actually more convinced of their own opinions. Y'all know that. This isn't my opinion. Like that they go and all that hearing someone else very, um, uh, very, very eloquently, ironically, I can't think of that word, <laughs> that, that you can watch these two people have a really intelligent conversation, but what most of the time happens is people will actually solidify their own thoughts more and more, right? It's in psychology, they call it a confirmation bias. I'm just going to read this. It says, and by the way, I'm about, to, I'm about to describe our world. High anxiety and low self-esteem, which is pretty much our world. Those people, it believes the world is dangerous and they're overly sensitive to the possibility of others disliking them. Therefore, they constantly monitor and look for signs that people may not like them and are biased to look for possible negative information from others. Therefore, they interpret neutral behavior as indicative of negative thoughts towards themselves. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is what Isaiah says. This is what Jesus says, right? Is that we have chosen to harden our hearts. This is why I'm not a real big fan of apologetics. I think it's important and um, I just don't spend a ton of time on it because I've never in my life seen or heard about someone being argued into loving Jesus ever 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 there was a time let me think it was probably about five or six years ago Kinsey and I I think this was before Ross we were heading over to some friend's house to do some sort of dinner thing and we had to drop by somewhere and get some gas and at this time I'm trying to teach my daughter I'm trying to teach her hey we're not afraid of strangers you know what I mean and don't talk to strangers no like that's not how life works it's okay to talk to other humans and I'm trying to teach her that and how to, how to be careful and cautious. And so I remember she was, I don't know, she's probably five or six. And we're sitting there at the, at the gas pump. And there's another guy over here at a gas pump. And she goes, Dad, go talk to that guy. Never met him before in my life. And so again, I'm trying to teach her, oh, okay, strangers aren't bad. And, and this is a safe place. Okay. And, and so I go over and for the sake of my daughter and start talking to the guy. And um, uh, Jehovah's Witness. So, hold on, hold on, 45 minutes later, right, we are wrapping up our conversation. So let me tell you the end of the conversation. The end of the conversation was not good. Like, the, I start talking to this guy, and he starts talking to me, and, and, and he starts telling me these things about their beliefs and 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 he he pulls out his bible and he's like hey are you do you know the bible i was like i've read it a little bit and so he he pulls it out and 
And, and, and guys, hear me. Um, he he's he kind of knew his stuff, but he was literally he would open the Bible and say stuff, and I would take it out of his hands and I'd flip a couple pages and say, "What about this in John chapter one where it says in the beginning?" And he would take it, and it's like I mean it, like ev- every everything he said, uh, and I was, I think I was pretty loving. I would say, "Well, well, hold on, that's not what it says here," and and I mean it, like forty five minutes we went back and forth, and he he was kind of grasping at straws, like, "Okay, let me try this, try this, try this." And at the end of it, he wanted nothing. Well, I'll say it this way. Do you think I argued him into Jesus? No. Why? Because his heart was hardened. He had chosen, right? There were things that he was like, I'm not going there. I'm not believing that. I'm not doing that. And when we, the conversation was done, which he ended the conversation, which I've never even heard of a Jehovah's Witness doing that. He ends the conversation. Like at the end, I said, well, well man, it was good talking to you. And I took out my, shook out, put, put out my hand. The dude wouldn't shake my hand. Like literally, and I was, so, so do you think that, that me fighting this guy intellectually, do you think it did anything? No, why? Because of the state of his what? It's not up here. It's, it's, it's right here. It's not an intellectual argument to love Jesus. It is, have we hardened our hearts, right? And so, man, that's, that's the question is, man, have we hardened our hearts? This is the last thing I'll say is, I've, I titled this Safetyism and Hardened Hearts. I'll just say it this way. Man, we live in a culture of safetyism. That, that phrase was coined in, I think, 2018. And in our culture, we have placed safety and comfort as the highest priority. Are you all with me on this? And in our culture, we say that that must be valued above everything else, being safe and comfortable. And brother, you better believe it has made its way into the church. That, that now we are preaching a theology that God's job is to make me safe and comfortable. And, and then combine that within our, in our culture, we, we, have a, we think in a very dichotomous way. It's either 100% black or 100% white, right? That's our culture. That's why even in our culture, like, it's like, do you like cats or do you like dogs? Like, you, it's a silly example, but... That's how our culture is. And I'm like, dude, can I not like both of them? No. It's either cats or, or, or the, the really silly idea of like, hey, when we're selecting the people to represent our country, it's either red or blue. And I'm like, is there maybe a third option? No. Presidential debate, it's only this person or this person. I'm like, these are the best yahoos we can come up with? I'm like, there's got to be another option. But do you see, that's how our world thinks. It's just single line. It's either here or here. And so when you combine that with the culture of safetyism, we live in, and it's made its way into the church, that if something is not 100% safe, if it's 99% safe, therefore it is what? Dangerous. I'm glad y'all are, some of y'all are with me on this. And if you're not with me on it, man, just pay attention. If we cannot absolutely guarantee complete safety, then we label it dangerous, and I'm not doing that. And God would never call me to do something dangerous, right? That sounds good. Let's make it a bumper sticker, right? That God wants to keep me safe and comfortable. But do you see how when we, we have that dichotomous thinking, right? And, and I, don't think that, I don't think that Jesus is going to, in my life, I don't think he's going to send me running into you know, a hostile war environment where, you know, like he's not going to send me to like um, Syria wearing a Jesus is my homeboy shirt, like with an American flag, you know, like, yeah, like that would be, I would probably label that as 
dangerous, right? But I also know he's not going to pursue me at my 100% comfort and safety the whole time. But man, that has made its way into the church. But our hearts have become hardened to where we think that's the case. And so in, even in our culture and in your own heart, look for it. If there's something that we think might hurt us, we say we can't be a part of that, right? And, and we think that our top priority is to protect myself from injury 100% of the time. I'm going to read a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says it better than I do. He says, there's no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Did you just hear that? Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Not even an animal. He says, wrap it carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, listen to this, safe, do you hear the word? Dark, motionless, your heart will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable. Are you all hearing this? This is the process of how do we harden our hearts. Man, if you let, your, if you let the culture decide how you're going to protect your heart, you'll have a hardened heart. Because that's what our culture is telling you in every way possible. Safe, 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 safe. You know? And then he says, the, alter- the alternative to tragedy or at least to the risk of tragedy is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers is hell. Right? And this is what our culture is trying to convince you to do. It wants you to harden your heart, but we call it safety. That's why I call this safetyism and hardened hearts. If you're pursuing this life of safety and comfort and Jesus is trying to make me happy and he would never ask you to do something uncomfortable or get out of your comfort zone, you are in the process of hardening your hearts. And, and you are in an, we are in an Isaiah 6 moment. Y'all with me on this? Man, and what happens is our heart gets hurt and then we say, let me put up this wall and then our heart gets hurt again and we say, I'm going to put up another wall and then we say, my heart gets hurt again. Guys, you're not building walls, you're building a casket around yourself. And you will wake up and realize you're safe, but your heart is completely unbreakable and it is rock hard and cannot hear the truth, right? And so that's why we just pray, God, strengthen our hands. God, change my heart, which is a miracle only Jesus Christ can do. That's the prayer. Like we're praying for a miracle. Jesus Christ, change my heart heart that's all i needed to say i'm going to pray for us father thank you for your word god i pray that it i pray it lands on soft hearts god i pray that your word hits ears that are open god i I, god i pray that our hearts are soft and lord i pray that our skin is tough like that's that's what we need to be lord we need to be soldiers for christ that we have tough skin but soft hearts And the world is trying to convince us that we need to have hardened hearts and soft skin. And it is not working out too well. And so, Lord, where we need to toughen up, which I think that's biblical, 
where we need to toughen up, Lord, give us some tough skin in some areas. But Lord, help us to never harden our hearts. That maybe we know the difference between I've built up a wall and I'm putting up versus putting up boundaries. Boundaries are a good thing, but when they become an impenetrable wall, we're just building a coffin at that point. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us just to say yes, Lord. Help us to receive what you have for us. And Lord, write your truth on our hearts. That's our prayer. We can write things on notes, but only you can write things on our hearts. And so, thank you for the cross. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for coming and, and living and dying. And, and Lord, thank you that that's who we are now. And so we can be bold and we don't have to be afraid. Lord, I pray we would not be people of safetyism and comfort, but we'd be people of boldness and um, power and love and self-discipline. So that's our prayer, Lord. Amen.